We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Pat Mayo here. I did a crossover with the Lowell's team of Pete Overzet and Brian Hooper. You can check out the video version of this over on Pete Overzet's YouTube channel, and we just talked about a bunch of different stuff. A lot like the show with Davis, but not with Davis on it, but with Brian and Pete on it. So it was a lot of fun. We talked about uh, people who sell picks, people who sell data, pushing affiliate fees, broadcasts for football and basketball and golf, and how those things are different. Are they better with companion pieces? How can we improve those? What do we like about them? What don't we like about them? And the amount of money that it would take to actually foster some of these improvements that I know that a lot of us in the community actually want to see. We talked about moving to different places to avoid taxes, be it in America or Canada, depending on what you like to do, and if DFS players should just move to Canada and not pay taxes on their winnings. And I don't see why that's such a crazy idea. I guess people, as we find out, just don't want to move at all. Pete and I discussed different content schedules, what time to release content, uh, what time zones are better for doing content versus actually watching sports, and really the big thing of how do you actually grow your audience when it comes to a podcast or a YouTube show, short-form content versus long-form content, do things like Instagram Reels and TikTok actually help bring people over to the product that you want to sell them with like, for example, for me, it's this podcast feed that I want to get people to subscribe to. So please subscribe if you're here and rate and review and do all that fun stuff. Or it's my YouTube channel over at Mayo Media Network, where you can normally see all the video versions of the show, just except not this one, because it's on Pete's. We made the agreement. He gets the video. I get the audio for this. So I would highly recommend that you subscribe to Lulz, by the way, and check that out. It's a live show that they do. Uh, and again, it's over on Pete Overzet's YouTube channel. He's got a bunch of great content up there. So yeah, let's get into it. It's a fun chat. I hope you enjoy it. Let's go. Pat, I thought I thought you were gonna big time us after winning your award. Um, or is this kind of like the victory lap tour? Oh yeah, yeah. There, there's nothing more prestigious in the history of awards than the fantasy sports writer best podcast multi sport category. No, uh, very, very cool news for you, though. You got uh, you got all kinds of shows and stuff under your umbrella. So I feel like it's uh, it's well deserved. You know, these guys that just have one podcast that submit. I mean, you got to have multiple things going on, I think. Yeah, I mean, I only submitted mine. So I, I, th I think it's like the same five people who are nominated every single year because 
most people, if they're fantasy football people, they stick to talking about fantasy football or fantasy baseball, whatever it is. There's only so many of us that do multiple sports. So it's a pretty narrow field. Do you think there, it, what kind of like tangible, tangible benefit do you think you get from winning that award? Obviously you get exposure, but do you think that actually converts to new listeners, new subs, all that stuff? No, uh, it did. Like I won, I mean, fuck, I've been in, can I swear? I can swear, right? You can. Excellent. So I have been doing content since 2009. And the first time that uh, I got, I submitted myself for awards, I think was in 2010. And I got two of them that year and just being nominated for an award. Then no one knew who I was. No one ever had ever read anything that I had ever done before, I guess, outside of these like mysterious judges, but just being up for these awards for, I think it was like comedy article of the year, which doesn't exist anymore. And football article of the year, something like that. And at the time, there wasn't really that many people around. So there was tangible benefits then. And then I won the next year for best football series in 2011. That I didn't like win anything for six years. But winning that award then when no one knew who I was and didn't read my stuff was super beneficial because they're like, oh, this guy must be pretty good. Let's go mm -hmm. read his stuff. But at this point, I think I've won like eight of these awards. Like if people are going to if people are going to listen to my show, feel like they've made the choice at this point, whether they're into the vibe or they think it's completely terrible. And there's really only two ways I feel like people actually react to my show. And it's only those two. Brian, did you, uh, did you submit us for uh, any awards here in Lowell's? I did. No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> award, award shows, uh, they're kind of on the downcline, just generally in culture. Like, wouldn't you guys agree that the Grammys and all this stuff, like no one watches that shit anymore, do they? Yeah, the Oscars still do really well ratings-wise. I don't think so. I think last year they did pretty good, but like the years prior, they were really going down dramatically. Yeah, but everything goes, the only thing that doesn't go down dramatically is football. Yeah. <laughs> People love football. Well, I mean, how about our, our ratings, Pete, go down. As soon as football season's over, it's like a thousand people drop off. But that's why oh. you need the other sport. That's true. I know, but we're not, we we're not football leaders uh, like you, Pat. Did you, but you said people tune in. Did you tune into Sirius XM last night and listen live or did you get tipped off uh, behind the scenes that you won? Yeah. They, they shot me a text like three minutes before they're like, Hey, we're going to call you to, to think that I had Sirius XM. No offense, <laughs> Pete. outside of the three months that came with my new car. Um, no, I did not read up that. Yeah. There's, there's no offense taken. I'm on SiriusXM, but I don't even have SiriusXM. They gave me a code, but my car is so old. My 07 Toyota Corolla, it doesn't even have the capability to get SiriusXM in it. So I'm, I'm with you with that. Wow. They called me. They called me like your, your, um, your what's it called? Three month trial is up on my new car, and I'm like, I didn't even know I had it. I didn't use it once. She said, "Do you want it?" I'm like, I, I. I didn't use it once, lady. I totally forgot you were on there. I would have been like, oh, my buddy's on there. Um, Oscar ratings. Last year, a record low. All time. But, but they were the only award show in like the top. They, they were still amongst, I think it was the top 50 or the top 75 most watched shows of the year well, on television. So even though it was an all-time low, everything's at an all-time low, really. Not, not, not last year. The year before was at oh. 10.5 million. Last year was 16.6. So they went up dramatically last year for some reason well they they had that the the covid oscars were just horrendous, too, right and no one saw any of the movies <laughs> mm. yeah the, uh um 
what is up to everyone in the chat devin has a funny comment here he says pat's the reason why i got into golf dfs which got me into football which got me into best ball so i have to credit him for absolutely ruining my life you are the gateway drug to all of this pat <laughs> it's not the first time i've heard that because <laughs> i can get you in i can get people excited about golf which is seemingly very rare and about betting on it but the problem is like i'm really fucking terrible at picks so people follow me then they lose all their money and they're like oh shit this was fun <laughs> but the losing part's not fun let me try football oh the picks are equally as bad and then they find you for best ball and they're like okay this is going a lot better right? i mean i'm glad pat got me in but i'm glad that i'm off of pat now and then they say all the players pete tries to get me to draft are awful and named lavisca chenault and sky Moore. so i think this is just a vicious circle you and i have this weird scheme going on pat where people like uh watching our stuff but we give them absolutely dog shit picks i guess well, Brian, I want to ask you this. If you position yourself as not a sharp in this space, which, I mean, I do for sure. And Pete, I don't know if you're calling yourself an expert or a sharp. I very much doubt that knowing you. Isn't that like the best way that you can go around? Because if you do get anything right, it's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. If you get anything wrong, no one cares. Yeah, I think then you have to be entertaining, though. Yes. I, I think that's probably the main reason you guys get so many uh, followers because really everyone else is they, or there's the controversy guy, like the take guy. They have eight, you know, takes on everything, real, real powerful takes, which I actually kind of appreciate to some extent. I like when people have something to say, but to do it just to do it, skip Bayless style or whatever, you know, like clearly contrived takes, I can't stand that. And then you got your, your like experts, but the experts are Few and far between, wouldn't you say? Like, like, how about stochastic? They wouldn't be where they're at without the number one ranked DFS player, no doubt, right? They would have probably just been like a middling site. Who knows? Maybe, but like, I mean, to, I mean, beyond Alex, like they have some, like now, but yeah, I found it because of Alex and my buddy Ben Raza, who works for them as well, who I had done shows with. But like, they have some really sharp people over at their site that I like to follow, especially for like the niche sports, I find they're really good at that kind of stuff. So yeah, but, yeah, they, you, those, you, pe but those people got bought out. Yeah. Ben, Ben got bought out. Adam got bought out. Why weren't they huge? Right. Cause the guy who was ranked number one had got bigger and got the money and bought him out. How, how do you think about that, Pat? Because I think that's something a lot of creators now do wonder of like, should I go out on my own? Should I try to build my own stuff? Or should I go as an exposure play and work, for another site. And we obviously see people take both of these paths, but I'm curious kind of like how you think about that. Uh, I passed on an ESPN job. I mean, it didn't pass. Like it was coming down, coming down the pike for me, which would have been a lot more exposure than I have right now, but it would have been a giant pay cut for me because I had built up, you know, enough of a reputation, owning my own content, everything like that, that I had to really deal with that. Like, do I want to quadruple my exposure overnight? Potentially. I mean, it could have just went horribly, horribly wrong. Or do I just keep grinding and doing what I'm doing? And, you know, get, hopefully I can build organically enough that's going to work. I I think if you could have some sort of mix of both, like if I could take six months off, like if, next football season, if I could just go work for ESPN and then return to what I was doing, I feel like that would be the optimal scenario. But obviously something like that doesn't exist. So I, I'm team bet on yourself, do it all yourself. That way, no one tells you what the fuck to do. And like, if your stuff sucks, well, then it's just going to suck. But if your stuff is good, you can really capitalize on that. Like, I see what you're doing right now. Like, I think you and I share a similar space in terms of like, obviously, 
we're not the same, but the way that we produce shows and the way that we lend ourselves out to other places to do content at the same time, bigger places, smaller places, our own stuff, just gives you more flexibility, which I, I prefer. Yeah, I think the thing I keep struggling with is like at the end of the day, I like doing content and there's stuff that you have to do when you're doing stuff solo on the back end, whether it's business related, accounting related, um, tech related production stuff, where the more you scale and the more you grow, the more of those things you have to spend on your time. And so for me, it's this perfect balance because I don't ever want to just like scale, scale, scale where I'm, you know, spending point where you're good with reinvesting back into your company. Like I, I have a bunch of people on, on my payroll. They're all independent contractors, which is always great. Uh, they enjoy <laughs> that as well. But like, I think between like hosts on the channel, I think we have like 10 or 15 that's outside of me uh, producers and like editors at uh, people that switch the show live and edit the show and put up the audio. I think that we have four to six of those, but I have like a remote head of production who schedules all these guys. My old intern at Fantasy, actually. I went and hired him. It's all people that I know from around the industry that I've worked with from time to time. They're like, hey, how would you like to pick up an extra thousand bucks a month or something like that for you know like five hours of work? Because uh, I need someone to do this. There's money coming in for it. Uh, and I don't physically have the capabilities of doing it. So can this guy schedule it? Can you do it? And everyone's been really good with that kind of thing. And then I have Paul who produces my show and hosts our MMA show. And we just work together every single day. And I just hired someone local now on like a per show basis, just in case something ever happens to Paul that, you know, I'm not mm. absolutely fucked. If he like, he wants to take a vacation or something like that. I'm just sitting in front of a camera and no one can hear me. I think the, uh, the pendulum for ESPN and you, it might swing eventually where they will need guys like you to come on their show in, instead of vice, vice versa, where I don't think they're going to be kingmakers. I don't think they are kingmakers really anymore, right? In terms of, you know, we'll just put whoever. We'll put Skip Bayless up here, and he's going to have 5 million followers because it's ESPN and we're huge. I mean, I could be wrong, but and their reign might be a lot longer than I'm, I'm putting it for. But I think eventually they're going to have to pull from, like, the podcasting pool. Just not, not just ESPN, just uh, legacy media in general. They'll have to pull from these other audiences. Go ahead. Yeah, I think you're right. But at the time, I just look at all the I'm just talking almost like pure niche what we do in terms of fantasy football, like Barry built that up so big that anyone who kind of gets the rub at ESPN, like instantly gets not like not huge in like reality, but huge within the space. And then if you can take those like if I could go to ESPN and gain like 200,000 Twitter followers or something yeah. like that and be on the same like level as like Mike Clay and Field Yates and that kind of thing. How many of those 200,000 could I then bring back to my show? And of those people that I brought back, how many can I upsell into the products that I sell on my show, which is where I make all my money? Hmm. Yeah. Kind of dovetailing to that and, and scaling. How did you think about, because now you have lots of people who are on your channel. You're not on every show. Even last year with our Run the Sims deal, I did the first look show for you on your channel. I've always kind of wondered about that as like, you build up your audience. They want to see you. How did you think about kind of like breaking that seal when you weren't on there? And how do people respond to having non-male voices on the program? It's strange because I've seen like someone like Holka has like an entirely separate channel for other things that he does. And it's usually non-football related. But I thought about doing that. Like, do I just create a channel for each of these new shows? And that way people don't get because I was worried that, like you said, if people come to Mayo Media Network and they're used to watching my show, 
if they see a show that I'm not on, are they going to be inherently pissed off because that's <laughs> not what they want? So I had to find people that I like, that I like to listen to as sort of like, hey, I'm bringing these people on to do a show. I really like them. I think you're going to really like them, too. And it seemed to work. Like, obviously, it's hard to tell because anytime that you launch a new show, especially like we did with that show, because I was doing it on Fridays, you were doing it on Mondays, and I think Tambo was doing it on Wednesdays or something like that. Um, you know, you were doing a first look, he was doing like picks for Thursday night, and I was doing weekend props kind of thing. But to look at it, like uh, Tambo's on the channel, you've been on my show, I feel like people are familiar enough with us, but it's still a brand new show that people are like, what the hell is this? I'll, I'll give it one shot. I'll give it five minutes. And some people never come back after that. So it's hard to scale unless it's around for you know two years, three years. And fortunately, Prize Picks has been behind that show since the first year. I think we just finished season three. No, season two of that show. Um, and it did, you know, it, it grew by like 50% in year two. If we can grow it again by 50% in year three, now the show is actually doing pretty well. But I never wanted to start any show that wasn't at least break even. Like I didn't want to go into the hole on any show that's sort of like the the mindset behind the business end of it like if there's no money for the show we just simply can't do it yeah and i do think the the schedule and the routine or the repetition is almost like more important than anything else and i, I recently heard a uh, big cat from barstool who those, those guys just got a massive payday with their full pen acquisition of barstool and they someone i think it was he was on with jj reddick and he was asking why do you guys think you've had so much success with pardon my, my take and he's like yeah, we have a lot of things going for us, but I attribute it mostly to just our consistency of always being there short of a couple holidays. The podcast is always there. And I do think, you know, you could have a new person on your show, but if you were like moving around their times or there was a new person each week, then people would get frustrated. But if you're at least like you are going to get this consistently for the season or for X amount of time, I think people get on board with that pretty quickly. Yeah, it's, it's no different than like uh, old school network TV. Like if they moved you to the Friday night slot, you're like, you're fucked. Like you're, you're going to be canceled soon. <laughs> Do you guys remember the the uh, the what is it called Nate, late night wars Leno blah blah blah, and they I remember one of the big things there was Leno would be like it just I saw an interview with him he's like it, it depended on who had the guest that night that night if I had Harrison Ford I got better ratings than Letterman if he had Harrison Ford he beat me he's like it was just, and like for me that's actually how it is so like I like your Tambo and you golf show I listen to that every week I don't even listen to many podcast at all but you guys have a good like good enough show but if someone's on a show and i just they rub me the wrong way like i'll be like i can't watch this this show anymore like i used to watch it now they have these hosts and like i don't like them anymore you know and and uh it's the same show the same format you know they're gonna get probably because they're not giving out good information too it's a different person but it's for me it's the person I, I can get behind that. And I think it's making the audience familiar with the person too. Like this was the first football season ever that I stuck. I mean, I, Pete's absolutely right. Like I've had basically the same schedule for nine years for my show. Like people know when my show is essentially going to come out within two or three hours on either side, depending on when it gets done. But like, here are the five shows that come out every football season, Monday through Sunday. And you know, when we switch over to golf, like the hybrid golf football season, here's when they drop. It's always the same time, always the same day. And now we're into golf season and it's a bit looser, but Monday, Sunday research, Monday with Feinberg, uh, Wednesdays with Tambo, Tuesday and Thursday are, you know, I didn't want Davis this week. I, I, it, it, there's a bit more leniency uh, during football off season. People let you do shows like this kind of thing where you can talk about wherever you want. Uh, and you know they might tune in, they might not tune in. If they like the guest, they won't like the guest. I, I, 
you have to try you have to do some trial and error to find new people that you have a, that you vibe with as well but like Pete, when you used to come on my DraftKings show during football season i used to have a rotating guest for that show every single week same as my DraftKings show for golf a rotating guest every single week so you'd be on three times a year and levitan would be on three times a year and davis would be on three I, i'd have c john from time to time and i do the same thing with golf and Tambo moved like 10 minutes away from me. And he was the other one of the other people that was in that rotation that would come on. And I know that you guys have a good rapport and you do it remotely. And I have that rapport with some people that I do it remotely as well. But just having him in studio with me makes it so much easier to turn out a quality product every single week that I just Tambo is my football guy for DraftKings now. He's my golf guy for DraftKings now because I feel like we do really good shows. It sucks because there are some people that I really like that I have a good rapport with that other people like that I have to now find creative ways to fit them into the show. Cause I do want to have them on. I do want to talk to them, but the rhythm and the consistency of having the same person for each of those shows every week, I feel like it paid really big dividends this year. It, that dynamic too, I get in my head about it, right? Because like I will get bored with certain formulaic things or always doing the same segments. And yet I also realize like a lot of people like the comfort food of that and the consistency and just knowing I am going to get this segment. And I think sometimes I put too much pressure on myself to be like, you got to do something different. You got to have a spin on it when it's like a lot of people just like the dish you're serving and they want to keep showing up to that diner and eating that dish. Yeah, it's got to make a few tweaks here and there. That's all it is. But you're also incredibly creative. And when you hit on something, a new segment, a viral skit, whatever it might be, like it hits big. I haven't had anything like that in like 10 years. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I now I do, you know, more quote unquote broadcasting, did a bunch of the Sirius XM stuff and do a lot more streaming, which I really enjoy. But it has kind of zapped both some of my time and some of my creativity to just go in the lab and work on a sketch for, you know, four hours or something, how much it takes. And I, I miss that push and pull because I do like doing this stuff. And it's I think I almost it, I'm curious how you think about it because I feel like live streaming, it's so easy that it almost like enables some level of laziness where it's like, I don't have to go sit and script out something and record it and edit it and all of these things in a way though, that I normally find those the most fulfilling when I do put that much effort into it. And I'm always trying to balance that as well. Uh, I agree with you. Like I remember when I worked at fantasy that I would have like 10 hours a week of you know, I here are new concepts to come up with. How, what's a two minute video that I can shoot and edit? And here are the two cameramen that I need to go help me out. Can I shoot this by myself? And really, right, I was doing smoking a lot more weed at the time as well. <laughs> so I just like zone out at night and like write on a piece of paper and then go into the office in the morning. But once you get into this con this consistent pattern of, hey, I do six shows a week. They're all like between 60 and 90 minutes. And I don't do live, but I do it live to tape. So like the editing on it, it's basically sound mixing to make sure everyone's leveled properly. And if there's like a complete fuck up that we can cut that out and cover it with a graphic or something like that. It's not, it's not 12 hours of editing, like to edit yeah. our video and audio probably takes like 10 minutes immediately done after the show. And then we can just export it right away and get it up. And having that turnaround time is really essential to why I don't feel like I need to go live as much. Cause we do have such a quick turnaround time, but yeah, I, I think you're right. But once you start doing that all the time, <clears throat> you run out of you know, like creative juices to do it. Cause you know, like, Hey, I have to wake up tomorrow and I have to do this. You have to go on serious five times a week. Like I have to do it. You have to do it at like 10 AM every Monday through Friday. And you know, you have to prep before that. And then after that, like you're kind of gassed by the time like one o'clock gets around, you just want to lay down. Yeah. 
and that now I throw the kid into it too. And then it's like, you know, I used to have some time at night, you know, when I don't have the night shows, I'll be like, Oh, I'll go work on something now. And now I'm like, no, I'm just fucking going to bed. Like I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I hear that. <laughs> so the optimizing conversation for all this stuff, like we, I, I find all this stuff fascinating, but there's a, like kind of the shift gears a little bit. How do you handle, um, or how do you think about touting people selling picks how do you pick, like, how do you position yourself in that world? You know, do you find, do you have a big problem with people selling picks or anything like that? Like, I know you, I know you just basically just give away your picks on the, the, the show with Tambo anyways, but like, what do you, what do you think about all that? Because there's a lot of people out there, sorry to cut you off, but like, there's a lot of people, like, we're talking about all this optimization stuff, which I find really interesting. And they're like, yeah, but you're just a piece of shit tout, you know, like, being like right. It's like, dude, what do you, whatever. Sorry, go ahead. I never wanted to sell my picks. I always felt like my picks were bad, that I would feel legitimately dishonest selling them. That if someone paid for my picks and they were just terrible all the time, like, Hey, I, I would lose my entire clientele and fan base. And it's more fun. Like, I don't know how people do content if they're not giving out picks in this space in particular. Like, what are you talking about? Like, hey, here's some like decent picks, but like you want the good picks, pay for my service. Like, I have no problem with people putting everything they do behind a paywall. I think that there are certain Patreons that I'm guessing are super valuable, but I kind of stumbled ass backwards into the better method for me for revenue generation and helping people. Too. Like I helped co-found fantasynational.com, the golf site, that that gave me something to push to on the show. Like, hey, you don't like my picks? I have this system that is super customizable, super easy to use. It was the first on the market, which really helped us out. And I remember Mike, my the co-founder and I, the guy who built the site, and I came on to promote it and we joined up forces. And he's like, oh, we should we get some content on this? And I was like, no, like the, the less content we can put on the site, the better. Just have it be a place where people can go and fuck around with it any way they want like have the odds up there have the DraftKings pricing all the dfs pricing be able to generate lineups but they can just use it as sort of like a fancy color-coded spreadsheet uh and be able to tweak it any way they want with this filter or that filter and whatever they want to do so that felt comfortable with me because i knew that the product was good for doing research and that's all i ever used it for in generating lineups so i could sell to that that was something for me to push to that gave me a bigger cut than like I don't know, showing a prize picks affiliate link kind of thing. And it was something that I thought added value to the community too. That's why I hooked up with Justin for Run the Sims, that I thought it was the same thing. Like I have this tool for golf. Can I get this tool for football as well? Because I have this large football audience that that's that's a little bit different because there's simulations and optimization. But I really trusted Justin and his numbers because he had proven to be so successful at doing it. And I do think that the simulation aspect of Run the Sims makes it slightly different than every other optimizer out there. And you can really, again, fuck around with it. And, hey, here's what I think is going to happen in this game. Now I can simulate this 10,000 times. Like, unless you, you know, are really good at Excel or coding or something, I, I guess I have no fucking clue. How do you even start to try to build something like that? So it gave dummies like me a better way to look into it. And I felt like it helped. I mean, it certainly helped my DraftKings play this year. It was like the first year that I've won over 10 grand in like five years or something like that. Not that I'm a huge high stakes player, but just I had a couple of really nice catches thanks to the research that I was able to do on there. And I felt like it translated into my content a little bit too. And that's like doing the thing with Tambo as well. Like he's such a good player that I feel like I'm getting better just talking to him all the time. And I'm not making some of the same moronic comments or stupid statements that you know, I used to make like, two years ago, five years ago, whatever it might be. But instead of pushing to picks, I pushed to information. 
because information is still really valuable and being able to twist it any way you want. And then that's on you. I feel like I've taken, taken the onus off myself and put it back onto you by providing this for you. If you're going to pay for this service, if that makes any sense, I would like to go with that answer, but I don't care if people sell picks. I'm not going to pay for them. Well, it does, it does make sense. And that, and that's the, so why I like using run the Sims too, and in pushing more towards tools, information, the whole, you know, teaching how to fish thing. But even, you know, that the thing that's going to do the clicks, or if you get a short form video or something, it's my top five picks for the masters. Like that's, what's going to smash. So how do you think about that? As far as like success metrics, growth, what you're bringing people in with, is it like a bait and switch? You bring them in with the picks and then you teach them how to fish or, cause that's always something I'm thinking about. Yeah, a little bit, but I don't really do any short form content anymore whatsoever. I just gave up doing it. Uh, it was, I had more numbers. I had better clickbait, but my business is built off the back of my podcast. And like a lot of people are like, Hey, TikTok and Instagram, just like, we have a TikTok account. I have someone else that runs it for the company. Like my Instagram account is completely just my personal life. Like it's the one Same. like part where I kind of keep <laughs> Yeah. I like my kids are on there. My wife is on there. Like, it's not me trying to like shill you things on there. I'll shill you on Twitter all day long. Don't worry about that. But that's why I use that specific platform for, but like I do long form content. That's what I like doing. And oh Jesus, someone from Calgary calling me. That's not good news. Like I can only be bad news, but yeah, the, the podcast, it, I think it gets underrated. Like when looking at Mayo media network, like that's where all the people tune in. Like if I get 10,000 views on a video, like it probably has like 80,000 to 90,000 downloads and listens on a podcast and just being able to sell mid rolls on that is super valuable to me. You know, where I think the, the industry is kind of going is Pete just mentioned it is um, lineups, not lineup selling, but like lineup generating kind of awesome. Stochastic's already kind of doing this. Um, where they'll optimize a lineup for you th through like a simulation. I don't know their entire process. And you can just put that in and that's it. So like just instead of moving to slide it from like sliders and optimizers with, you know, 50% exposure rates and randomness settings and et cetera, and groupings, they'll just, just give them the lineup. That, well, that's kind of what run the, run the Sims does too. Yeah. yeah, like we, we have an option for that as well. Like if you want to yeah. just take all of the defaults, generate lineup, it'll give you the the opt the quote unquote optimal lineup that gets spit out. But I mean, why would you not, want to not for cash game, game? Not for the cash game, but for for GPP specific. So something that's a little contrarian, something like that. Not just like the optimal from an optimizer or the one with the most wins, the showdown that is on Run the Sims. Something that is specific for a large field GPP. Oh, and, and they're customizing this for each individual or they're just handing out a lineup to like a thousand people. I don't know how they don't dupe. Maybe they set up on the background. Isn't that uh, cool? So like you would get different than me. But I mean, in theory, you could easily make thousands of plus EV lineups. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I didn't realize. Do you think that like, would you equate that with pick selling? Uh, I would say it's it's more likely to be profitable where pick selling is almost always not besides like maybe right angle sports or some of the prop uh, like ETRs, props are profitable, stuff like that for, you know, for now. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know how long it would be profitable if it like got really big. I'm just saying, I think that's where it's going. Hmm. I'm not saying it's even moral. I'm just saying I, that's my guess is eventually all these sites will just be here's, do you want 20 lamps or 150? Here's how much it costs for 20. Here's how much it costs for 150 per month per sport. Here you go. Is that in violation of the TOS at all? 
I don't know. They're doing it already. So I'm sure I'm assuming they talked to him. I, yeah. I, my guess is you could probably get around it if there are some inputs you have to select or something. There's no inputs. You just press really? a button. Interesting. Or oh, you press the button. Isn't that an input? There you go. <laughs> do you do you think with golf, Pat, there and again, I'm I'm not as in the weeds uh, as with golf as you are, obviously, but do you think there's more of a culture of like sports betting picks, like here's your outrights, your T20s, all of that, and like DFS picks, like it's more entangled than it is with football because it feels like with other sports, there's almost this separation of church and state with DFS and sports betting where golf, it always feels more commingled to me. Yeah. Because what you're trying to do is find the person who wins. So if they're, if you think that they're a really good, a strong outright bet to win the tournament, well, then you almost have to play them on DraftKings at the same time, because you need them to win the tournament. If you're going to win, obviously there is separation between what makes someone a good outright bet and what makes someone a good DraftKings play? If someone could tell me what that is, it would be you know, more profitable for me and less of a financial burden. But I, I see people that are able to compartmentalize that a little bit more. Like, and we like I even run a giant one and done pool at the same time. That's you know an almost a third type of game to go along with it, which has a completely different strategy of what you're trying to do. So trying to juggle all those things like in your head at the same time and to talk about them succinctly in completely different ways isn't as challenging as I think as it would be in something like football where, you know, just because you like an Ian Thomas prop over, that doesn't mean you should play him a DFS. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just funny too, because I normally, you know, you feel, it feels just less slimy too of uh, the way of doing like the sports betting type angle for, for golf. And I'm curious, like, how do you think about that in general? Because everyone's always trying to talk about, Oh, the future of, you know, action in this space, it's going to be sports betting. That's where everyone's going to go. That's where the money is. That's where the affiliate stuff. And then we always talk about how hard it is to do sports betting content. Well, especially with line shopping being such a big part of that. Again, with golf, it does seem like the outrights and the bombs and stuff are really fun and lend themselves to kind of fun touting. But yes. how do you think about cracking that code for, for good sports betting content? You hit it. Betting on golf is fun. It's the most bang for your buck that you can get. It provides the longest amount of entertainment. And if you do get one right, you're good for like two months. Like you're probably profitable for those two months. If you hit one, then you can just bleed all the money back as you go along. You hit two in a four-week span. Now you're good for four months. You hit like four winners a year in golf, and you're probably going to be up for the year unless you completely just push all in after you hit a winner. Like if you just bet the same thing every week, you're probably going to be fine. So like you can bet a guy like it's something like the odds get released, and then we can talk about that on Monday. And that's fun. Like, is this guy priced too high? Is that guy priced too low? Hell, I do content on Sundays where I guess what the odds are going to be for the people. Like people get like really pissed off. I'm wrong about it. I'm like, what, what's it matter when I say you're going to see the fucking odds in front of you tomorrow. Like whatever I say, isn't what the number is going to be set at that you can bet if I'm wrong one way or another, it's sort of irrelevant to the conversation. But so you have that. And then you have like a data kind of see the rest of the markets, your top five, top 10, first round leader, whatever it is. And then, you know, the, the DraftKings market is, you know, closer to fully saturated on Wednesday. That's why we moved the show to Wednesday because you have better ownership projections on a Wednesday than a Monday because people have started to tout around and make their picks. And you can see where people are really going to. Then you can talk about lineup construction and who the final picks are going to be. Or I hated this guy on Monday, but now I've done some more research. Now I really like him and he's 125 to one. Like, you can bet on golf for pretty cheap because a win pays a lot. Like if you bet on the Cowboys on Monday night and, you know, they're 
I mean, what was it against? What, were they favored against the Buccaneers in the playoffs in the Monday night? No, they were like a, a point and a half dog or two and a half point dog. Yeah. So I bet Dallas at plus two and a half at minus one ten. Great. I put a hundred bucks on that. I got to watch it for like. 40 minutes before I knew it wasn't winning. And like, now I can go home at least with golf. I can take my hundred bucks, spread it out over five guys. It's super long odds, potentially win like $2,000 on a $10 bet. And I get at least Thursday and Friday out of it to like have some entertainment. And if they make the weekend and get into it, then I get Saturday and Sunday out of it too. Like it's, it's cheaper than going to the movies. Hmm. Yeah. I think this is a stimulus behavioralist type of answer to here because Slap machines wouldn't exist, right? If 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 quick reinforcement wasn't a, or intermittent quick reinforcement wasn't a thing. So like I see in the comments, Ryan's talking about MMA. I do love MMA. It's pretty damn fun betting on a guy, and you just for a few minutes, maybe even thirty seconds, you want that guy to beat the shit out of that guy. It's a great sweat, and it doesn't last long. But then you can <laughs> then you can pull the slot machine on the next fight if you lose. But but you but have the ability to do that in golf too. Like you too. can bet hole by hole in golf if you want to. You can bet day yeah. by day in golf, half round by oh, half yeah. round, whatever it is you want to do. But I just I think that the people who play golf appreciate stretching it out a little bit more. People who play golf just tend to be more patient overall. Like it's I happen to be one of those guys, Pat. I agree with you. So like I try to sell DFS PGA because like you get all these great sweats. You get the cut on Friday. And then you're like, okay, I only made 20% of my lineups. So actually, this is pretty good usually. 20% of my lineups made it through. Now I got now I got Saturday. I just want to stick, have a chance at Sunday. Just do good enough for Sunday. And then Sunday comes, you're like, okay, now I need these six guys, my only shot for a win. It's a it's a great long sweat, in my opinion. So I'm I'm with you that uh it's a good bang for the buck. But there are there are these short-term uh gambles too that I that I find that I find really fun. I, you're right though, Pete. Uh, you were talking about if this is content based. Oh yeah. I was going to say myself, like I, I'll love to pull up the live betting and fire something off like that. But I'm talking from like a content standpoint too, of like, it's really hard. Like what Pat just said, like writing up the spread bet for Cowboys box, like it's boring as hell, but like at least writing up some like long shots for golf, I guess the closest thing to it, I have seen a lot of people do like, you know, Brian Robinson to lead the league in uh, rushing yards on Sunday. And those look kind of fun, but still the way the progressive sweat works for golf is just so much better. And it just lends itself to, I think both content and the sweat itself. And, and like, I mean, MMA kind of falls into this category as well, weirdly enough, as it pertains to content and football and golf being, essentially once a week like a, a single start date with a big lead up i mean there's a reason that my channel does mma golf and football uh like we do a baseball show but like how can anyone do baseball content how can anyone do basketball content it seems like the most insanely difficult thing to do unless your show is half an hour before lock of whatever the largest late is other than that, isn't it sort of like irrelevant content? Like we can do, like we do our massive UFC show, the Dogger Pass podcast, which actually, Pete, you go back to what you said earlier, gave me the confidence to run some of the other shows on my network. Because Dogger Pass is huge. It's probably, I mean, I, I'm not huge in the MMA space, but as it pertains to gambling on MMA, it's got to be either the biggest, second biggest, or third biggest MMA betting podcast there is. Like it's it's doing like between you know, ten and twenty k 
per week and like it drops at the same time like you said and it's just gambling like what are the first round knockouts what are the sub odds that kind of thing and it's not just like hey who's going to win this week it's more of an in-depth breakdown about what's going on but i'm not on it and that show did really well so i was able to kind of push everything back in but we can film that on a wednesday night and it's good till saturday night essentially if a, if a fight gets dropped off well don't bet on it like yeah it's that easy it's not like oh josh allen's now not playing now we need to like redo content it's like if someone gets hurt in mma it doesn't affect the entire card it might affect like optimal lineups and DraftKings. but if you're betting on it it's just not on the board anymore and golf's kind of the same way like what i talk about on sunday monday tuesday and wednesday doesn't really change like dustin johnson one time withdrawing from the masters on a tuesday night that had an impact but it wasn't like the complete slate absolutely blew up. Like everyone just kind of like dropped two points in the betting market and it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too. you know, the other thing I'm thinking about, and I think I've mentioned this before, like I have my college buddies and they hit me up. They want an underdog pick them slip. They don't care if it's golf. They don't care if it's NFL. They just want the action. They don't care if I've researched the picks. They just want the slip. They want the sweat. They want to go look at the live scoring. I never share. I'll, I'll make them a slip, but I never go share that on Twitter because I think people will assume like, Oh, Peter's put a lot of effort into this slip. I want to tail him. I assume he's getting it in good, so to speak. And so, but it's funny for in my head, knowing like, I think my audience would expect that. And yet there are people like my buddies clearly who just want to sweat and they don't even give a shit of like, if they're good picks, they, they don't even care if they win or not. They just want something to sweat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is what I'm talking about. Like the, the, you, do you know who Seville is Pat? No. Okay. Pete, Pete knows there. It's like a group of dudes on Twitter who are professional betters who shame touts and pick sellers and like really go after them and they've gone after like rufus peabody and stuff like that for even his limited you know like content and stuff like that and like they hear i'm telling you they hear you guys talking and their their ears are steaming what the what the fuck do they care this is what i say (laughs) they're on it's some moral high ground thing for them but i don't know how that what where they're getting off exactly Do, do they go by their real names and put their real faces out there no, I don't and they can go so. fuck themselves. Unless Brett Favre four 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 is uh, <laughs> like, actually Brett Favre. Uh, all all yeah. these fucking moral heroes who have to not who have to remain anonymous because they wouldn't, for the life of them, put their real identity out there because they're probably yeah. like scumbags, pick sellers themselves. Well, one guy did go on the uh, Beth Process pod. Okay, that's good then. Then I have a lot more yeah. respect for that. But like these anonymous fucking pieces of shit out there, like. You should have to, like, in order to get, like, verified on Twitter, you know, show your license or something like that. And then, like, it has to be you. It would cut down on all this bullshit. Uh, Jordan yeah. Peterson over here. That's his, that's his policy. So, like, if we um, if we give them some credit for a second or, or uh, charity, there are the Vegas Daves of the world, right? There are sure. these type of guys. But is yeah, there not but, scummy practices in any business? I'm not saying it's good. I'd wish it would go away. Mm-hmm. But like, are there not scumbag crypto people, scumbag real estate people, scumbag financial people? Like, yeah. And this is an easier grift. I understand that because people want to get rich as quickly as possible. Like, here are picks that can't lose. Like, eventually some of the onus is on you for being an idiot for believing this stuff too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And, and the dividing line, too, is also pay for and free. And yours is free. You're giving it away. So I would say, like, how could you, like, care if someone's giving out their opinion on these picks? And I still think a lot of them would still – or just maybe not that group specifically. I probably shouldn't even name the specific group. But that type of, of person is, like, they they even get upset at free picks because, Pat, there's just people out there who don't understand that lines change, blah, 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 and they're, and they're going to go and bet these picks and lose money, and it's because of you. See, I don't see it that it's because of me. It's because of them. They chose to look at me, see a free pick, and be like, can't lose. Let's go. Yeah. Like, why is the well, onus not on the person? Well, and a lot of – because I think the interesting thing, too, right – a lot of people who are giving picks is because they are monetizing it in another way. You're either paying for the sub or you have affiliate deals with the sites that you're driving to. And then you get into marketing murkiness, right? Where the whole Vegas Dave thing is what giving like minus 10,000 picks over and over. So he can say as a 50 and one record or whatever. So like that, it, how you position it, I think is, is very interesting. But you know, if you just blankly, like if I just shared a slip with zero context on Twitter, like, it's interesting to think how would people perceive that, you know, versus how, because there are ways you could position that slip. Yeah. Like 20% of the pe those people would be angry at you for just sharing a slip. Okay. Sure. It didn't let them be angry. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you. I listen, I totally agree with everything you're saying. I'm playing devil's ad advocate here, trying to give their, their take. It annoys the hell, it annoys the hell out of me. Like I'm even as far as I think, you know, Vegas Dave should sell his shit because you know, you know what, like f fucking go ahead, dummy. You know, like if some idiot wants to buy his, his stuff and finds value in it, you know, that happens. Like, I, I don't think he should be like in trouble or go to jail or anything like that. Well, so. He's not doing anything illegal. They would say he probably sh it should be illegal. I mean, it, I mean, the context between should be illegal and is illegal is a is a pretty wide chasm. Well, sure, yeah, but there's also things that are illegal and shouldn't be. So, like, there's. Sure. <laughs> but it, it's it's hard. Like, you can call him a scumbag. You can say, "Hey, I don't think he should exist in the space. We need to like rally to get him out of the space." I understand that. Yeah. Um. Even though he's not breaking the law, he's he's acting in bad faith. I think is the point that they're trying to make. And I would tend to agree with him. Um, but I mean, am I act? I put in an XFL prize pick slip this morning. <laughs> it's funny. You mentioned that uh, because, you know, I put it out there with an affiliate link in it and one that drives back to run the Sims where I got the information from. Like I played it. I 
I showed the amount of money that I played on it. So if people want to tail me, they can tail me. Some people look at my picks and do the opposite of them. Like, I don't know what people are doing with this information, but I'm trying to push them to play on the site because I think it's fun, for one thing. I like playing on it. And two, here's a tool system that you can use to find out which picks work for you. Like, those are my two upsells. The picks are sort of irrelevant now if it wins. You better believe that I'll be like, I won because, you know, that's marketing. What what are what are your mentions like or like what are your replies like for stuff like what percentage is people being like oh this was a shitty pick why did you do this or versus people who are either grateful obviously it depends on if the the pick hits but in general like what ratio are you getting of like oh this was a fun thing versus I hate you this pick was awful ninety eight to two percent positive yeah which yeah, you, which is weird but I think I yeah. feel like I've weeded those people like all the negatrons out over time yeah. Not to like double back on that conversation too much earlier, but when you were saying about not focusing on short form and, and being a long form broadcaster, how do you think about growth then? Because I think that's the thing that a lot of people bring up with like the TikTok and stuff and like, this is the fastest way to grow. This is where there's organic growth on this platform. This is how you can grow your long form audience via porting these guys over. So like, if you are ignoring that stuff, how do you think about growing your podcast audience? I'm just going to try to grab, I mean, the, the best way to grow your podcast audience, at least my belief, and I don't do it. And that's why, I mean, it's not the reason that I'm appearing on with you guys today. It's that I like the show. I, I feel like I owe you like 20 shows, Pete, at this point of coming on, uh, if you would have me on that one, because you've lent me so much of your time over the years. But the best way to grow organically is to appear on other people's podcasts that you think has an audience that would translate over into yours. Like if people have never heard me before and they're fans of this show in particular, maybe I can get 30 new people to come over and check out the show I did with Davis yesterday kind of thing. Or what football picks, XFL picks with, with Justin or golf picks with Jeff, whatever it might be. If you like my vibe, maybe you'll come check out my show. I don't understand how... TikTok translates into long-form content. I feel like those would be the last fucking people on earth who would want to sit down and hear a two-hour podcast of three people just John about shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It it, it's, I mean, there's a whole thing. It was within our uh, niche, you know, like Nick Ercolano just let go a couple of his uh, employees. They had blown up on TikTok. They had that massively successful series, Guess Ike's Lunch. And part of the, you know, what percolated or came to a head here was they weren't able to Monetize. turn those guys into fantasy people or people who are, you know, signing up with their affiliate deals. All the ways BDGE actually makes money. I mean, that's one of the first use cases I've seen of like, you could have a million followers on TikTok, but like, it's not actually helping you out monetarily. That, that was the thing, like even on Instagram, and maybe I was doing it wrong. And people always say, yo, you know what has the worst conversion? Twitter. I have not found that. I found that Twitter actually has good conversion for me. Now, maybe it's because that's the platform that I've always used. And I've conditioned people who listen to my show to follow me on Twitter. I don't care if they follow me on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it might be. I do most of my pushing and most, most of my marketing through Twitter. But I, does, any, does anyone know how to monetize TikTok? Like, it's great. You have a million followers. Fantastic. What does that mean? <laughs> people yeah. like being on TikTok, not going to Apple Podcasts and downloading the two-hour podcast. Uh, I heard you get Chinese citizenship if you get up to a million TikTok followers. I'm not sure if that's true. Well, I heard some Americans say that where I am living in Canada, there's really no difference between here and China. Oh, yeah, that's true. Actually, I agree with that. Um, well, and, and Canadians should be banned from DFS in general because they don't pay gambling taxes. But okay. uh, Serious question. And this like worked out at like, why don't DFS players move to Canada? Hmm. It's I think Canada. 
What's I think that? it's the same reason, like, you know, all the crypto people aren't moving to, you know, Coast Puerto Rico, Rico or why people aren't moving to Austin, Texas or Florida for more of a tax haven. It's just like people don't want to uproot their lives. Well, they are moving to Texas and Florida. They're the two biggest states that move. No, I know. But he, what DFS players do you know, Brian, that have have moved there? Oh, no, they all moved to Denver, apparently. Um, <laughs> right. I was just talking about that with Levitan in Vegas. Like, because my wife's, because I've wanted to move to the States for a while. Like, I lived in New York and Jersey for about a year and a half. Then I moved back to Toronto. But you know, I do think that the next step in growth for me, especially if I am going to go on to like a bigger network or whatever it might be, if I sell Mayo Media to one of these gambling sites, like, do I need a central location in america where guests can kind of come to me and i can grow my show that way by having bigger guests that's a possibility i asked my wife she i was like do you want to move to florida she's like absolutely not like do you want to move to texas she's like absolutely not she's like what about denver i was like you've never been to denver you don't know anything about denver what the fuck is it with denver that everyone likes and i asked levitan he gave me like the hard sell on why denver rules it kind of sounds mm -hmm. nice it is I think I'm, I'm going to get a place in Florida or South Carolina, but um, how about Hawaii or California? Forget about the commies and the taxes, but because of uh, the time for DFS, the start time, it's like a regular job. So I struggled with golf when I was in Vegas last week with, and it wasn't so bad because it was still the West coast swing that I, I set my alarm for, I had missed, I was there for Riviera last year in Vegas and I missed the Matthew Fitzpatrick withdrawal overnight. And I just happened to sleep through lock and I was fucked for the week. Uh, but this year I, you know, I actually set my time. It was at Riviera again. So Pacific starting time, like what happens if you, if you, it's a Florida start, like lock is at 2am or something crazy like that. Like that would be a problem for golf. Not that it's like the biggest thing in the world, but I actually think the other way is the move. Like I live in the Atlantic time zone. So Pete, I'm east of you by, I'm east of Maine uh, by a little bit where I'm at now after I moved. And I do think that I live in the best time zone for content. However, mm -hmm. I live in the worst time zone for sports, if that makes any sense. What, what, yeah. uh, what specific times uh, what do you think are, are optimal for kind content? Just in my daily life. Like if I wake, if I want to wake up at, I don't know, 7 a.m. Well, it's 6 a.m. where you're at. It's 2 a.m. on the West Coast with a four-hour time difference that I can kind of be like throughout the course of my day. I mean, sometimes it's hard to get guests very early in the morning, but if I want to go in the afternoon, people are like kind of good to go with everything. And I can wrap my day up. And like some people love to record the moment that they get up, and I don't. But it can be like 10 a.m., 11 a.m. for me, and they're just kind of getting rolling for the day, and I can just bring them on the show, and boom, we're good to go. That yeah. I can produce content that is technically earlier in the day for people in the rest of North America later in the day for me, but that's because I feel like I need two or three hours, like warm up in the morning or else I'm just a complete zombie kids, you know? Yeah. I've always had a hard time like reading into specific times. Cause I do shows at all different times. I, and I'm sometimes like, Oh, my 10 AM show that does well. And I'm like, or is that just because of the consistency that I've always seen, done that, you know, our ship chasing show does well. That's 9 15 PM every single Wednesday night. And it's like, my times are all over the map. Lowell's is always one thirty now on Thursdays. And so it's like, I have a hard time actually separating the variable of the time versus the consistency. That's interesting. Like, do you think, like, do you think like you, do you have an idea, like just a random guess between the both of you, like what would be an optimal time for a fantasy football live stream that isn't Sunday morning? Yeah. 
I mean, my, my, you know, Friday afternoon strategy show, the one I did, that was a 2.30 PM every single Friday. I mean, I liked that one just because there was enough projections and ownership and discourse that had flooded in by that time versus like, would we do the swole cast on, on Wednesday and like nothing is out? Like, it's funny how with football, how much changes within those 48 hours from Wednesday afternoon to Friday, as far as how people think about the slate. So I guess it all depends on your goal, right? Like you could be the first look type thing or you can be the one that's reacting to what everyone's saying which actually lends itself i thought more to like gpp content because then you're kind of pushing back against the optimals the best plays all of that stuff so i feel like it's hyper specific to the kind of content you're making yeah I, i'm the wrong guy to ask because yeah, I, 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 so yeah, go ahead I, I used to do like the the show i do with tambo on wednesdays for golf that used to be a live show and we would do it at noon eastern so one o'clock our time and we were like, yeah, this is, you know, the shelf life on this is pretty limited. Like by the time that obviously the video is out and we'll finish up around like 1.30 Eastern. So people would have, and with the East Coast start in golf, like it's, it's dead on Wednesday night. Uh, people aren't staying up till 2 a.m. to watch the content. So you really have like 12 hours of shelf life on this show. And then the podcast turnaround time, maybe you have 11 hours of that. So we were like, why don't we do it earlier in the day? So we started doing it 9 a.m. Eastern time. <laughs> just fucking no one tuned into it because it was too early for people to get up. Like they're just getting to work or whatever it is. And that was sort of the idea. Although, as it turns out, like people don't go to work randomly at nine o'clock anymore. Maybe they stumble in at eight or 10 or it's not a specific nine to five. So we just said, fuck it. We're not doing it live anymore. We'll film it at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Have it turned around to be out by like 11 a.m. Eastern time and just roll with it. That. It's still out earlier. And the live questions portion of the show that we did, I think the people who asked the questions really liked it, but I don't think it really enhanced the show at all. Hmm. A yeah. lot of poker players went to Canada when the Black Friday happened, but yeah, not a lot of DFS players. So Hawaii is six hours behind um, Eastern time. So for baseball and NBA and what else, some MMA slates, you're done at one, one o'clock. You know, That's pretty kind of, much. I, I lived in Calgary for a year and a half, and that was the I think that mountain time is the best sports time zone because it doesn't kill you for football still. Yeah. That's true. West is probably better. East Coast, man, you got you start your day at set, you know, lock starts at seven. It's pretty late. Dude, From, Sunday and, night football in my time zone ends at two o'clock in the morning. I don't, I don't watch it. I just tape it and watch it in the morning. But NBA, but NBA and MLB are what you, you play every day. You yeah, know? I suppose that's Not true. Just, yeah, like I could just deal with what, so, well, on Sundays I'm just screwed, but every other day it's great. But well, I remember, I remember but, you, you mentioned Levitan. I know when he was in Philly, he would get to his like workspace around 7 38 a.m., have like four or five hours to kind of get ready for everything. Then he moves to Colorado and he had to keep the same routine, but just push it back two hours early. So he's like getting up at 5 a.m. for a Sunday football slate. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, you, you feel it on the other side as well. It, it does go both ways. Yeah, I've just become a big fan of taping sports and then like scrolling through it in the morning, watching it at like 2x speed, no more commercials. And whether I know what happened or not, I'm still going to watch it. And, you know, I, I can pick my own. It's a bit more on sure. demand because like I have like a mini gym in, the, in my basement now. My wife got me a treadmill for Christmas. So I can just kind of like walk on the treadmill and watch the Sunday night and Monday night games. All the primetime games. I just don't stay up and watch them anymore. For a social life, though, definitely West Coast. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Because East Coast, you're is a professional DFS player. You're kind of screwed. We we used to go out after Sunday night football in Calgary. 
just because it'd be done at like 930. It's like, yeah, hey, fuck, let's go to the bar. I I barely I barely watched Sunday night island games. Like I would make my showdown lineups, I would have fun. And then it's just it's been too long of a day. It's like been like 12 hours straight of like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern. And now it's like I'm I'm checked out. I don't even want to watch this fucking game. I want to watch TV and it'd be done with uh with the football Sunday. I don't even need to be tired and I won't watch island games anymore. I can't stand <laughs> I can't do it. It's too boring too. The commercials are so brutal. The commentary, ugh, makes me want to throw up. Yeah, do, do you what? What do you think is the allure of football? What makes it so like? Because these island games are the ones that get all the ratings, but football is kind of built on the early Sunday slate where there's eight games on. You can just kind of hop around to make it entertaining for yourself. Because I'm with you, I can't watch these fucking primetime games. They're brutal. They're brutal. If you get if you get a good primetime game, people will act like it's the next revelation. Oh yeah. We had like two this entire. I remember we had that Thursday night football with the Chargers Chiefs early on in the season. That game was nuts. Uh, I was like legit wired after watching that game. But there's like one or two of those like all season log. Um, I, it, and to me, like it's it's red zone, it's fantasy. But like for the bigger macro, I think it's just the buildup, right? And I think golf has that too, where it's like it all builds up to this one event that takes place over the course of a couple of days compared to like the baseball and the NBA, like that slow drip, you never get like the buildup of anticipation with those things. I don't know. That's my working theory. Ryan, how would you, do you think it's possible to grow golf ratings? Uh, Like from a podcast standpoint or like the PGA's PGA standpoint? No, I think, I think they, they've just done a poor job. I think they, and the way they've handled live, I think has been horrible. Uh, having a rivalry and then making those like events where they play together, something big would be cool. I would like to watch that. They just now have decent coverage on ESPN app, right? Which they have. It's okay. Right. It's not even that good. Like I'm like, cause I watch the, I usually watch the four holes uh, channel. You know, it's like four today's today was like four, eight, 14 and 17, something like that. You know, it switches. And even then I'm like, okay, next golfer, guys. I want to see my guy, like next golfer. And they're like, no, let's tell a story about when I, you know, the golf announcers are so boring. Oh, man. They, they had this guy on this morning. I was watching the Shane Lowry and Billy Horschel featured group uh, at Honda. I don't know who the uh, like color guy was, but he sounded like he was 3,000 years old. And they just kept talking about, like, Ryan Palmer. Yes, granted, he was a part of the feature group. This guy was talking about Ryan Palmer like he was fucking John Rom. Like, it oh was unbelievable. Like, I, it must have been Ryan Palmer's dad. That's the only <laughs> thing that I can guess. Or, they, like, they all had, like, a bet on Ryan Palmer. That would actually, I don't need a, I mean, I would prefer that, like, there's, what, four of the ESPN channels dedicated Someone to did. PJ. We can't turn one yes. of them into, like, a DFS gambling feed where we can Done. around. Sold. Yeah, jump around. Give me red zone PGA, jumping around holes with some gambling. I'm in. Go. go I would. I was just gonna ask that, Brian, because the the feedback I always see from people on Twitter when they talk about the golf and the app is they're like, I want to be able to see every shot. They they only show this random stuff. Would a golf red zone actually work? Like Pat, what would be if PGA came to you and said, we want you to host some kind of coverage from a DFS sports betting standpoint? Like, what would your coverage look like? Oh, it's it's easy. I, I've been pitching this for like five, six years now. Call it the green zone just to make that very relatable to people. The issue is the infrastructure of these courses that you travel around to 40 separate courses throughout the course of the year. You have 140 players in the field, half them on the course at any one time. Like It's a lot of cameras and a lot of people to go around. That's always the argument against it. 
is that it's so expensive to put this on that it's just not feasible. But if you had, I don't know, a subscription service and tie it in with DraftKings, tie it in with whoever, BetMGM, doesn't matter who it is. And then like all of a sudden the tour can start collecting affiliate links plus charge up. Yeah, how much people would pay? Brian, how much would you pay if you could if you could go in and there was just cameras on every single player and you can make a four yeah, box yeah, or an eight pay, box, uh, whatever, ten bucks a month, whatever. Whatever 10. it costs. Yeah. I mean, not a hundred bucks a month, I probably wouldn't, but but would you pay forty nine ninety nine a month? Thirty nine ninety nine a month? Maybe, maybe. During the would, good would part pay, of the season. Would you pay two fifty for the year? Yeah. That's yes. about the red zone cost, right? It's like forty nine fifty a month. I don't ask. I just click subscribe. <laughs> yeah. So, but like you make it one of these things where like, hey, I can either have a very passive experience and Pat can jump around to this for me and I can have four people on the board right. and give you an update on what the actual cut line is, which the PJ seems to have no idea about when they're talking about the cut mm -hmm. line. They're like, yeah, hey, Tiger missed the cut. Like, no, he didn't. And, That's not and how the it works. And the red zone element would be, I think I just cut you off. Sorry, Pat. But like Pat would know some JM's 40% owned this week. So we're going to go on every shot of Pat. Ben Griffin this week. Like yeah. who the fuck is Ben Griffin? Well, he's a guy that people own 23% right. of in DFS this week. Like they want right. to see his shots or I can leave it to you and you can click on Ben Griffin. Like you can fuck have a six box. Hey, here's my main lineup. Here are the six guys I want to follow. Just make it super easy like that. And the issue has become when I've talked to production people who've worked at these places is a, the cost of it all and B, they don't want to make it look cheap. Like they have this standard for broadcast television that it can't be like webcams on a caddy, which I'm all for. That, what you just described though, I would actually like that for red zone. Like say I could have a quad box and the one box was the master feed with Scott Hansen and had his audio, but then I could customize the three other boxes to fix or pin the games I was most interested in. That, that would be the most ideal. Cause even I get frustrated on red zone where it's like, man, I have 60% of this chief's double stack right now. I'd really like to see what's going on in this game. You're probably gonna be able to do that this year on YouTube TV. But you have to have two TVs because they're adding mosaic view, apparently. Oh, and so okay. you, you could just pin four games on one TV and then have red zone on the other. I bought eight TVs and put them on my wall to try to avoid this problem. It's unfortunate that YouTube TV has taken it over like this. Actually, in Canada, we, it's still on DAZN for us, so you can't mm -hmm. do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it, it is a fine line, too, because I've done the, you know, you go watch the games in the sports book and they don't have red zone on and your head's on a swivel trying to watch every game. The audio is coming from one. And it's like miserable. So it's like I need some, like a hybrid thing where I can pick a couple games and have the master red zone feed that that would be perfection. Yeah. So like the way that I have it constructed is we have like a big like I think it's 85 inches in the middle. And we just, I always have people over every week because, you know, I do the, the content beforehand, watch the games, and then I do a live show immediately following, I mean, probably towards like the last five minutes of the later set of games before Sunday Night Football ended before Sunday Night Football. But, and that's the like one live show that I do every week, which actually that time actually did pretty well because people wanted to sweat the end of the late games and then they don't want to watch. Like you could see the drop off once Sunday Night Football started. So we were like, right, we, we probably should wrap this up like two minutes beforehand. Like give out a first touchdown bet and get out of here. But main game that people want to watch, whoever, like people around here are either Patriots fans, Dolphins fans, Bills, like AFC East fans, essentially. If there's yeah. an AFC East game on, people are most interested in that. And then the next one's like a, it's like a 60 inch below it, red zone on that. And then all like the 45s around it have all of the games on them. The problem is like, it's not a problem, 
but where you I only have so many cable boxes, I have to use apps to stream them. And they're like 20 seconds behind, which seems like a really nitpicky thing to to worry about. But if you're live betting on some of these games, sometimes that really matters. What speaking of that, like going what are, what are your thoughts on like companion live sweat type content because you did just mention people dropping off once the game starts but on the other hand you know with some of these sites like get playback we've been doing tilt space over the years it does seem like there's interest in kind of a live sweat companion experience and yet so many people in our space i haven't even tried or really tapping into that yeah we've been doing the pga cut sweat live for the majors and the players championship for i think five years now and the players is the easiest one to do it for like brian you know that at the players, they actually do have cameras on every hole, which makes it fantastic. It's a, they, they shouldn't have done that because now they've given us a taste of what it can be like. And now they've taken it away for every other tournament. But that one makes it super easy. And the ratings for our show on that, like the podcast does absolutely, I didn't even put it out as an audio podcast. It is a pure live video viewing experience. Not that you have to watch us. The whole point would be to watch golf, have us on as the companion piece, but Oh, sometimes we've got up to like 6,000, 7,000 live concurrence as they're just watching along with the golf with us. And I have all of the screens on. So like I have, if they're just watching the main feed, we have the main feed on. So I know what people are seeing, but I also have all of the groupings on as well that I can tell what's going on shot by shot and talking about the cut line and talking about who's owned in DFS. Who's like, who are we sweating here? Like, hey, if this guy misses this putt on his last hole before the cut, He's like 28% on the six to six percentage goes down from like 15% to 8%. So like, I don't have him. I want him to miss this. And other people are like pissed off about that, but it's, it makes for good interaction. And the commentary in golf is so bad because it's not really play by play. That's the hard part about football. And that's what we see with the Manning cast a little bit is. Do you still try to do play by play and inform people of what's going on and do like the sticky stuff of talking about gambling or whatever it might be? Because so much like if you're not glued to the TV, like sometimes you do want to hear the announcers, not because you enjoy hearing them. But hey, what's the official saying? Like you want to be able to have that context to it, where if you were listening to someone not talk about that and talk about something different, even though it's a part of the same game. Is that as great of an experience? I don't know. I, I think probably I can usually figure out what's going on. If I can't, I just go on Twitter and I figure it out. But that's a very hyperactive viewing experience where most people just aren't doing that with golf. It's a pretty passive experience anyway. Like who gives a shit what the commentators are talking about? They put it on the screen. Here is Sung J.M. It is his third shot. It is from 30 feet away. That's easy to figure out. And I know before the broadcast comes on because I have the internet and the internet gets updated like two minutes before they actually showed the shit on TV anyway. Well, and that's, it also feels with golf, having it like everyone synced up perfectly watching the same feed just isn't quite as important it is with football because we know when we've done tilt space, some of us has red zone on their TV. I'm streaming it. Someone else is bootlegging it. Everyone's all over the place. That's why the get playback service was nice because then everyone was watching the same concurrent feed. But I think with golf, it's probably just not as big of a, a catching point. Well, it, it's important too. like, I try to sync everyone up with the live feed with us, regardless of where you're at. Cause like sometimes my guests, we wouldn't do it all from the same spot. So like me and Feinberg would be in studio watching and our buddy Cust would be on the line and he would be, you know, 3000 miles away and be like, Hey, we'd figure out who was ahead on the broadcast. And I'd put it on pause. Like he's about to hit the ball. 
now and just like try to sync it up that way and do it with the audience at the same time. But I, you are correct. It is less relevant. I know I had Leone on one of my Sunday night shows this year. It was the it was the game where the Patriots threw it to the Raiders and they scored the touchdown at the end of the Chandler yeah, Jones yeah. touchdown. Uh, I, we were streaming it in the office. I had it on my computer and Leone was watching it on his computer and he was streaming it. And we each all three of us got it at three separate times. And it made for actually entertaining content because you got to see the reaction three times like, oh, oh my God, like what the fuck is going on here? So there's that part of it. But if you're watching along for the entire game, it'd be really shitty. So I understand that point of it. But I, I don't think that exists as much in golf because if people want to spoil themselves on golf, they'll go to the Bet365 app and just go to that leaderboard, which is like three minutes ahead of any other feed in the world. Hmm. Yeah. I like all these ideas and not just for golf, honestly. Like I can't stand the NFL announcers. I haven't for 20 years. I only like my baseball announcers when they're senile. So they have to be like 75 plus and swearing accidentally. And though they don't even allow those guys on TV anymore. And baseball pretty, pretty brutal to pace of play to watch these days anyways. But just, I would much rather generally speaking, watch my favorite podcaster talk about the game live where I could see this, the screen live with them than whatever they're giving me on PGA or otherwise. There are some people who are, who are good. And like hearing Larry Nance on a Sunday is, you know, still kind of tradition and Gus Johnson's really good and for football, but like generally speaking, I'd much rather just listen to my, my favorite podcast guy talk about what I know I like already as he watches the game. I'm with you, but what do you think is the split of people who are actually like that? Cause that's always the part that I think that us operating within gambling and DFS and whatever it might be, we feel like we're we're underrepresented within the context of the overall audience. And generally speaking, we're probably really overvaluing our importance in terms of overall numbers. Now, in terms of money, we're the ones spending the money. That's great. But if we're only 2% of the audience, it's not going to be viable for them to actually do this. I mean, how many uh, like WWE fans are there? So I guess maybe like they probably like the NFL announcers. Uh, yeah. shot at wrestling. No, I, I don't get how you could like some of these NFL announcers, but apparently maybe there, there is people, I think there's people just like tradition. They don't want to change at all. And so like they, they would probably stick with it, but like, I, I think it's objectively boring and annoying and the announcers all a lot of times, um, like, like when they, when they like go crazy over Brooks Kapka being so big and strong, it's like, dude, like he's like not that big and strong, like for a golfer, <laughs> he's pretty big kind of, but like, I also watch football and he would get plowed by like a cornerback. He's only like six foot tall and he's not even ripped. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, well, Pat. Uh, I appreciate you coming on Lulz. Always good to chop it up. We got to get you in the uh, the rotation swing by here. I know you just did a podcast with Pat. You got the golf stuff going. Anything else you would like the people to uh, to check out here? XFL, runthesims.com. Code Mayo, get you 10% off. Um, I'm looking at the overlay on it right now. There was like yeah, 10,000. Is it huge right now? Yeah, it was like 10,000 last I checked. Yeah, I, I use uh, Run the Sims XFL numbers exclusively. You do? I won last week, yeah. I saw Brian in the XFL streets, and I was like, I really don't think Brian spun up his own model for this, and I was actually curious what you were using. Yeah, I mean, it's in my model, but it's uh, using the, yeah. X, the uh, Justin stuff. Nice. Justin's great at these niche sports. Like, he figures I, – I don't know what – I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of his projection yeah. systems or how it works, but 
his ability to interpret the information from like the three beat reporters for these weird leagues and like translate those into projections. Like I would expect this week's projections to be way better than last week's just because he has information now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely check out run the Sims have been using that for the XFL stuff. If you guys are a YouTube member in the hand builders and opto bros uh, tier, I've been posting some leverage charts, looking at the SIM rates and then comparing them to projected ownership. Um, so you guys can, Head in there if you guys are looking to grind XFL with us. Brian, anything else on your yeah, radar? I got one plug that I just thought of. Fantasy Golf Bag, the guys over there. Uh, Drew. Uh, yeah, Drew and Jason did free PGA projections for the Albatross on Underdog. Mm-hmm. And I put it up on my app. So if anyone has my app, they can overlay their their projections for that. And the Albatross is like a bunch of tournaments too. So I doubt a lot of people are doing that and putting the time in. So there's probably an edge if you get in some. There you go. And speaking of, you know, ancillary sports on underdog at 3.30, I'm going to be drafting a baseball, best ball team. Never drafted one. The Badge Bros are going to guide me through. It is going (laughs) to be a disaster, an absolute disaster. So if you're looking for some comedy, me trying to draft a a baseball, best ball team, uh, you can tune in at 3.30 Appreciate all of you guys hanging out in the chat. Appreciate Pat Mayo swinging by. Check out brick75.com for all your projection needs. We will see you guys next Wednesday. Experience. Experience.